John 14, if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible... Wow, we have a lot of parents from Sunday school. Come on in! Yes, you are welcome here. It's great to have a church with lots of children. Amen? Amen. Lots of life. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Maybe I can get someone to pass them out there. Um, Thank you, Kevin. He's on the move. There's a couple hands here. John 14, this morning. Okay. John 14 is a chapter you've probably read before and has numerous verses that you probably know. One stood out to me this week, but we'll give a little context to it and maybe learn and grow from it. But John 14:6 says this, Jesus said to him, that being Thomas and the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this verse is one we all know, and one a lot of people in our world don't necessarily like. But seeing the context of it, I think it still speaks to us, and it certainly spoke to me this week. When Jesus quoted this verse to his disciples, 13 into almost he was in a question answer format through chapter 13 into 14. It was right after they had finished eating the Last Supper. Jesus had identified his betrayer, Judas Iscariot. They had finished, and Jesus had just given them a new commandment to love one another. Jesus had washed their feet, and it was probably a very intimate, tender moment if you set yourself in what was going on, a lot going on. Obviously, they were there, and they were having extraordinary intimacy and fellowship. And then Jesus does say something else that really might rattle them in verse 33 of chapter 13. When he says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Now Jesus had talked about his crucifixion more than a few times to his disciples, but it didn't seem that they got what was going to happen. It didn't seem that they truly understood And he had told the Jews before, and now he repeats to his disciples, I'm only going to be with you for a little while longer, and then I'm going to be gone. Now this rattles Peter a bit at the end of chapter 13. And Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And we know at that point Jesus speaks to Peter about how he will deny him. But then at the beginning of chapter 14, we read this strange little verse, let not your hearts be troubled. 
And you have to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples to understand they had given everything to follow Jesus. He was the answer to everything in their lives. And they were thinking physically, right? They weren't thinking spiritually. They were thinking Jesus was their savior to free them from Rome. Jesus was the Messiah who was going to bring them peace. Jesus was the one who in this physical world was going to be the answer to the persecution they faced. And so they gave everything to follow him. And all of a sudden, their beloved leader says, I'm out of here. And they've given everything. They've given everything to follow him. And the one who they saw demonstrate compassion and mighty works and strength, the one who encouraged them was now saying, I'm leaving and you can't follow me. And that's why Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Because they were troubled, or he wouldn't have said it. Because they were thinking, what in the world are we going to do? The thoughts of the future without Christ became very difficult for them. Because he was their everything. He was their hope. And it's interesting, even when he rises again in Acts chapter 1, they're still saying, Jesus, when are you going to restore your kingdom on this earth? And he says, the times and dates, you don't need to know, because they were thinking completely physical. They weren't thinking spiritual. And we can get in that way, and I think the majority of my life, I've been asking the Lord to help me to think more spiritually discerning situations, but our go-to is physical, like what, is, what do I see? What do I know? And here the one they loved, the one who was their Messiah, the one who was going to save them from Rome, is now telling them he is leaving. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe in me. My Father's house. There are many mansions. And if it not were so, I would have not told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, here you may be also. And where I go, you know the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way. And obviously then we're back to our verse. Jesus, knowing their trouble of the future, tells them that he's going to take care of them, that heaven is their destination. And by the way, probably in this room, there are many of you troubled about the future. <laughs> it's very easy to get troubled about. Uh, no one wants to say amen to that one? It's very easy for us to get anxious and troubled for the future, not only for ourselves, but for our children, for our world, for our community, and even for ourselves to think, what's next? And we get on something... And we worry, and we worry, and we think, and we think. And think of those times that your heart has been troubled, and ask yourself, has it because I don't have the answer for the future in any way? And here he's saying, don't worry, your future is secure. I'm going to make you a beautiful place, and I'm going to come back for you, and it will be okay. But then still they're troubled, and... He says, you will know the way. And Thomas says, 
we have no idea what the way is, and if you would give us a GPS or a map to find you, then we'll be okay. Don't you love it? Isn't Thomas just like us? And you might say, how? Well, I would have believed. I always believe. <laughs> now, what about this? I think you're just like me, and we're just like the human population. If we don't know something, we want, we want to know a concrete way to figure it out. If you got a gift that requires you, sometimes my children got gifts at Christmas, and I just like rolled my eyes because the instruction sheet was like a book, right? For some of these toys. But because I was a man, guess what I tried to do? I tried to put them together without the instructions. But then someone would yell, Dad, there's instructions. Oh, if I have instructions, then things are so much better. If I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And here is Thomas. Okay, you're going away, you're coming back. I don't get it. I don't know where you're going, and I don't know the way. So why don't you tell me and give me an instruction manual into what we can do? Because listen, we are way more comfortable. You give us a list, and then we can accomplish it. Because this is way too abstract for me, Jesus. And remember, this is the same Thomas who said, I can't believe until you show me. I need to see. But I think Thomas is a lot like us. Not only in the doubting, but in the desire to know if I can do something to get something, if you give me directions, I'm okay. But Jesus then, as we read, in the midst of their troubled hearts and all these disciples trying to figure it out, gives this amazing answer, I am the way. And if it was me, I would have just been way more confused. I am the way. What in the world does that mean? Because often we're looking for do's. And here he says simply, I am. And it reminds us of Moses saying, God, and who are you? I am. I am in that story. And simply this, that Jesus is the way. It's not we have to find directions, we have to find him. And our world really does not like this verse. Because it's very exclusive in terms of finding the way to God is through Christ. And even Christians question, can't there be any more ways to heaven or to the Father? But Jesus simply says, I am the way. I thought of other religions. We respect them, but without Christ, there is no way. But they're founded on this principle. They're founded on what I would say Thomas's question. They're founded on, can I do something to get something? That's what most religions are founded upon. If I can do something, pray a few times a day, if I do good, if I'm a good human being, if I just 
do spiritual things, then I will receive this and that. And the world loves that because then they're in complete control of the eternal destiny. Just tell me, if I do this, I get this. Right? And you know what? Unfortunately, sometimes Christians, we're exactly the same. Just tell me how to be saved. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what behavior. And I'll feel better about myself because I'm accomplishing it. And somehow then, my eternal destiny or finding Christ where he's going is based upon me and what I can do. And then we satisfy something within us, but we realize, man, I can't do it. But that's what religion is. It's man doing something to get something. And I wouldn't say it's just all other religions. Unfortunately, it has snuck into the Christian church that we think, if I do, if I do, if I do, I know I'm secure. And here Jesus just blows it totally out of the water and simply says, no, I am the way. I am the way. Christ is the way. Christ's work on the cross is the way. Belief in him, not work in him, is the way. And look at these disciples. They're zealots trying to get their physical kingdom freed from Rome. And what do we have to do? And he's so powerful. He's so mighty. He's so strong. And we'll do what he says. And he says, it's not about that. Guys, wake up. I have to sacrifice myself and die. That's the greater work. And if you believe in me, I am the way. Matthew chapter 7, if you'll turn there. And this can be difficult in regards to the way because I immediately thought of the narrow way, not the broad way. Matthew 7, 13, Jesus speaking again, and his words challenging and difficult. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, or the way, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I read that verse and I pondered it. And I almost got a little upset. Not because Jesus <laughs> is the way or it's narrow, but the last section when it says, few find it. I love people. And the thought of many people not finding Christ is very difficult. But we have to rest in realizing that this narrow way, that I am the way, is accessible to everyone. Jesus isn't doing it for an exclusive group of people. He offers it to everyone. And even though it is difficult and narrow, 
because of what I just explained, because it is belief and me not doing something, and we have a lot of problem with that, and our world has a problem that I have to believe in something rather than earn something, because it's a lot easier if I can earn it, and it's broader and better in our minds, but the reality, if I'm just simply going to die to myself and trust in this Christ, is narrow and it is difficult, because I'm much more comfortable in trusting what I see and myself. And that's what the world does. And they trust in what they can do and how they feel. And Jesus says, no, that's the broad way that leads to destruction. Only complete trust in me will lead you to life because I am the way. And I, you know what? I struggled. God, and I wrote prayers in my journal and I have them here. If that's the case, Lord, would the few be in Lanark County? Would the few be I know? Would you just change people? Would you expand that number for your glory? I don't know if you ever feel like that. I don't want to see people go to hell. But then the Lord brought my attention to the verses before and how wonderful God is. He is the way, and it's narrow. But listen, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him for bread who will give him will be opened. Or what man is there among you who has a son who asks for bread, who will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I just thought, God is begging us to ask for himself the way. Anybody, listen to this, anybody who asks, who seeks, who knocks, he is a good God and says, I will give and open and you will find. Yes, the way is narrow, but I am good and it is open to anyone who desires me because I am. I am. He's not saying, it's a narrow gate, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, it's too hard. He's saying, it is narrow and difficult, you have to let go of yourself, but I am open and ready and available and desiring to be found. Look at the disciples, they're troubled, the context in John 14. What are we going to do? You're leaving. He says, I'm going to prepare a place and I'm coming back. How are we going to find you? And the heart of Christ is, I am the way. Made me really, after being sad and praying, excited of the character of our God. And that He so wants people to walk with Him. But I want to tell you the danger this morning for you 
and it sneaks back into our lives, is to think in some way we are the way in finding him. And I thought of the passage where Jesus says to those who prophesied and healed, and he says to them, I did not know you. But they said, Lord, but Lord, we prophesied. We did, we did, we did, we did. And he says, I did not know you. You can do a lot of things. You can add them up to find your way to him. But it's not what you do. It's what he did because he is the way. So don't let it slip back into your life and turn back to Christ and live in him. He is the way and die to your own ability and effort and live and abide in the love of Christ. And I personally believe this is one of the most difficult things to do because it continually slips back. Somehow we think that I am the way to find God. No, Jesus is the way. Would you abide in him in this season? Would you abide in him in 2019? Will you pull yourself back to the simple fact that he says, I am. He doesn't stop there. He says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. Well, what is truth? Pilate asked that. I'm asking myself. I took a ride with my good friend Tim from Germany, and we had a lot of discussions this week. What is truth? There are so many things in our world that are getting gray, aren't they? Have you noticed that? Should I name a few? Well, there's a lot, lot, lot in our world right now, whether it's abortion or cannabis or medical drugs or euthanasia, gender identity, gender rights, complete sexuality, whatever that realm is. What is truth or not truth? And what I've come to notice is that Satan has been an expert in blurring the lines. So I'm driving, I'm like, well, that's a good argument. Well, that's good. Well, I've heard that argument. I, you know, like, and all of a sudden, it gets a little blurry to what is truth and almost, yeah. But here we can come back to the reality of Christ saying, I am the truth. It's so interesting because Jesus also says, I am the word. And I am the truth. And the truth is held in the word. And our world is going to shift and it's going to change. And I don't think it's going to get any better on re in terms of this grayness. And more things are going to come to us and we're going to be like, I don't know. But here's what we do know. He is truth. And I'm going to say, what he says is absolute truth. Because people don't like what Jesus says sometimes. But as a believer, you need to stand in this truth that he is the truth. Everything he said is truth. And I love Jesus because I would have been like the disciples 
if I had a question and I wanted to know truth, and I was walking around with Jesus, right? I'd be like, hey, Jesus, like, I just drove by Tweed. And it smelled. What is the truth about that? Like, how do you, like, what, what do you think about that? Wouldn't you love just to be like, hey, Lord, what do you think? We're going for a drive to Kempville, get some exercise equipment. Hey, God, what do you think about that? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, like the disciples. But if you go, what am I going to do? You can't tell me what's right or wrong. But Jesus is so amazing. In chapter 14, he says, I'm leaving, but what? I'm going to leave you a what? The helper. And the helper is the spirit of truth, it says in John 16, right? So the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, is like Jesus leaving in you the spirit of truth and the helper, the spirit of truth, will cause you to remember what Christ said, it says in John 14. So instead of saying, I don't know, you can say, I have the spirit of truth, my helper, my counselor that lives within me, which will cause me to remember everything Christ has said. Ah. You're not left as an orphan. You're not left alone. Jesus, even in these next words through 14 and 16, says, man, you're going to be better off because the helper is with you always and he dwells in you and he will guide and lead you in all truth by revealing to you so you can remember what he has said. You're not alone. Amen. You have the truth, and the truth lives in you. So there are sticky issues, but we need to stand on the truth of Christ's words. Well, sometimes we don't like them. That's another story. But abiding in Christ is obeying Christ. He finally says, not only am I the way, the truth, he says this, I'm the life. I'm the life. And this is what really got me this week, and I'll close with this. Because I am just living in Christ and he will show me the truth because the Holy Spirit lives in me and he is the life. John 10, 10, I'm just going to flip back and close with this verse. It says this, and it's probably one that you've read before. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Or I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. When I was a kid, there used to be an ad on television, and it said, or advertising campaign, soccer is life. Well, I love that, because it was my life for a, a time. I dreamed about soccer, I played soccer, I watched soccer. Soccer was my life. And so when you get that slogan, you're like, yeah, that's what I eat for, that's what I think about. Now, for some people, their life is their work. And they might deny it to you, but if they think about it, they dream about it, they do it, and they want to do more of it, guess what? That's their life. 
For some people, school is their life. And it's not that we don't do things, but when they control every thought of our life, that becomes our life. Money. Sometimes for people, money is their life. Their family, for some people. Children can be people's lives. Their identity is in their children. Or your spouse. That, my life is just them. And that's what it is. But here, Jesus says, no, I am your life. He says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life. By the way, good one for me. Sometimes ministry can be life. Sometimes the good things. But I am. Christ is our life. And he comes to give us life. And what totally blew me away when I looked in the Greek at this, not only did he come to give us life and life more abundantly, but the wording is this. He came to give you excessive supernatural life. Excessive supernatural, super abundant life. Super abundant life. Is that what you're feeling now? <laughs> is that your life? Is it so ingrained in Christ and what He is to you and living in His love and His truth that your life is not empty. It is excessive, super abundant life. It just gives me a picture of something like about to explode. It's so full and vibrant. And that's what Jesus said. I came to gave, give you myself, which is life, which is excessively super abundant. And here's what I find. When my life is rooted in other things than Christ, it's not full. Because I never can top it up. Because it's all about me. But I am in Christ. I am in Him is life. And you say, well, life in Christ is hard. He just said it's the narrow path and it's difficult. It's difficult, but it's full and it's abundant. I find people, myself included, at times who have a comfortable life, they wouldn't describe their life as abundant or even excessively abundant and certainly not supernatural. And they're happy and they're comfortable but they're not full and they're not abundant. And Jesus would say today, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. And I just simply want to ask you, and I've just been praying that you would meet Jesus this morning wherever you're at. Is he those things to you? Or are you trying to do it yourself? Honestly, I want to ask you that question. Are you trying to find life? Are you trying to find truth? Are you trying to find the way in your ability? 
and it's only leading you to troubles, and your heart is troubled. Maybe you're trying to find it in your marriage, and it's not going well, and your heart's troubled. Maybe you're trying to find it in your kid's behavior, and it's not going well, and you're troubled. Maybe you're trying to find it in your future, and you don't exactly know what's going to happen, and you're troubled. Maybe you're trying to find it in your work, and it's not going great, and you're troubled. Your heart truly is troubled. Maybe you're trying to find it in your grades in school, and your heart is truly troubled. Because you can't do it. Because Jesus says, no, let not your hearts be troubled. I've got the future under control. And I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the light. Let's round it together. Don't be troubled. Let go of yourself and abide in him. Holy Spirit, would you be working in this place beyond the words that have been spoken by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to us? God, you are perfect Father, and you are available to each one in this room. As we let go of ourselves and ask you to enter, you will answer. So this morning, again, maybe we'll take a few minutes of silence before communion. Would you ask the Holy Spirit who lives within you to search you? Before we eat, before we open gifts, before we celebrate, which is wonderful, I think God wants to speak to us and meet us. Are you trying to find the way in anything but Christ? Trying to find the truth in anything but Him who lives in you, the Spirit of truth. And what is your life? Is it living in Him? Or is it in something that you're trying to do or be? God's desire this morning in Him, Jesus Christ. Just quietly let Him minister to your heart. praise Jesus we let go of our ability and our efforts and ourselves we rest in you we declare you are the only way and we desire to continually live in you Jesus and it all 
We're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate what Christ has done. The forgiveness. The peace that He brings when we know that it's not about us and our effort, but about Him and what He's done. We're going to celebrate and enjoy Jesus this morning. The elements are in the back. As we sing, retrieve them and think on Him and worship Him and praise Him. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be brothers and sisters willing to pray with you. Let's rejoice together.